2: Welcome to Nobody Told Me.
1: I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. It's estimated that more than 18 million Americans suffer from a disorder that makes them buy things compulsively. They're called shopaholics, and the disorder can cause all kinds of problems in their lives, especially during the holiday shopping season. Joining us now is Dr. April Lane Benson, a nationally known psychologist who
2: specializes in the treatment of compulsive buying disorder. Dr. Benson is the author of To Buy or Not to Buy, Why We Overshop and How to Stop, along with I
1: Shop, Therefore I Am, Compulsive Buying and the Search for Self. It's really exciting to have you back again, Dr. Benson. We have so many more questions for you. And like we said, especially during the holiday season, there's new questions that arise. So so welcome. I'm very, very honored that you asked me to come back and I'm
0: ready to answer whatever questions you've got.
1: I see all of these sales on Black Friday special, Cyber Monday, all of these holiday shopping sales. And I do enjoy checking them out and looking at them. And I'm not saying I buy something every time, but I certainly look forward to the sale emails. How would I know if I am an over shopper or if I just like shopping and browsing sales? The way
0: you would know would have to do with the consequences. It would have to do with how much time and energy you're spending shopping, how much time and energy you may be spending buying, and what negative consequences are accruing to you as a result. Are you having interpersonal problems with a spouse, a parent, a child? Are you feeling anxious, depressed, guilty? Are you racking up Debt that you have no idea how you're going to repay. It's it has to do with consequences and the place in your life.
2: And you say that over shopping and overspending are misguided and ineffective attempts to meet emotional needs with material things. Tell us more about yes. that. We have
0: many authentic underlying needs. All of us, the same ones. Beyond safety and security, we have the need for love and affection. We have the need to belong. We have the need for self-esteem. We have the need for the esteem of other people. And we also have the need to self-actualize. And shopping can be one way that people attempt to meet these underlying needs, but as I said, a misguided and ineffective way to meet them. Because you can never get enough of what you don't really need. And if what you really need is love and affection, that eighth pair of black boots isn't going to cut it.
1: Why is it that a shopping addiction is rarely taken seriously? And if anything, it seems like it's often part of a joke.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is this is really tragic. It's because consumption fuels our economy. Buying is the American way. I may have said this the first time I was on the show. We had a president after 9-11 who said we cannot let the terrorists frighten our nation to the point where people don't do business and people don't shop. Mrs. Bush and I want you to go shopping. He didn't say Mrs. Bush and I want you to go drinking or drugging
2: or gambling. Interesting. Well, so we all we just are bombarded with these messages, especially during the holiday season to you can't turn on the television. You can't turn on the radio. Uh, you can't open your computer and surf the internet without just being bombarded with this holiday advertising. And I'm wondering what your patients tell you when you're meeting with them, discussing their issues with overshopping. what do they tell you about how these ads impact them? What
0: they tell me is that the avalanche of what they're getting in their inbox tends to really reduce their willpower and make them less mindful as consumers. So one of the things that we try to do throughout the year is have them unsubscribe from some of the stories, from the triggers, from the stores, the store emails, the retail emails, the, uh, the fashion boxes, the fashion blogs, whatever their particular triggers are. The work toward unsubscribing so that there is not so much availability, because like with any substance, drug, behavior, accessibility, availability is a trigger. So if there's less to contend with, you're going to buy less.
1: But obviously, we can't avoid shopping entirely. So I'm curious to know how we can be smarter shoppers. If we're trying to improve our closet for work, for example, should we be looking for a good price or should we really try to get quality pieces that we don't need to replace?
0: It all depends on what your individual situation is and who you, how you want to present yourself. The, it's mindful shopping. Is what we're really after. And by that, I mean shopping that has us being able to answer these questions Why am I here? Did I just have a fight with my boss, and my all purpose equal opportunity mood changer is shopping? So I got on the internet to buy. Why am I here? How do I feel? I feel really guilty because I left my dog in doggy daycare for much longer than I wanted him to be there. You know, what am I trying to cover over, anesthetize myself against? Why am I here? How do I feel? Do I need this? What if I wait? How will I pay for it? Where will I put it? All of these are important questions to pose and to really take some time to answer because most people know that once they get to, let's say, question three or four, if it's a compulsive purchase, they don't even have to ask themselves five and six because they know it by then. then. Other people can go through all six questions and their answers are reasonable. And when that happens, it's very unlikely that the purchase is a compulsive one.
2: Is over shopping inherited? If your mother overshopped shopped and, and, you know, had a, a real thing for shopping for bargains and, and a, a compulsive shopping issue, are you likely to have it?
0: I think that we do know that this runs in families. What runs more in families is a propensity toward addiction. It may not be the same addiction, but we certainly know that at least yeah, maybe 20% of first order relatives. In 20% of the cases, there is a first order relative with compulsive buying disorder. But in closer to 40%, there is a first order relative with another addictive or behavioral issue.
1: Dr. Benson, you were quoted in this fascinating article saying that overshopping is really related to a feeling of control. And I hadn't heard that before. And I wondered if you could explain that a little bit more to our audience.
0: Let's imagine that somebody is married to a guy who is very controlling. He wants, this is, I'm imagining someone that I've worked with. He wants the house cleaned up in a particular way, despite the fact that his wife works full time too. He wants, things just so at the dinner table. He wants all the children's homework to be helped with, but he doesn't want to do it. And he is constantly looking at the bills and quizzing his wife. She feels so little control in her life. One of the things that makes her feel more in control is the fact that she has a desire to buy something she goes out and buys it and she brings it home she has control over that purchase nobody's telling her right then and there not to do it she may pay the piper later but immediately it gives her a sense of efficacy and control
2: interesting you know i have found in years past as we get closer and closer to christmas that's the time that i feel more pressure about shopping i'm asking myself Did I get enough? Is everybody treated equally in terms of the presents that I've bought? Um, And there is that last minute pressure. And I do find that sometimes in the last two or three days before Christmas, I will go out and buy some extra things just to make sure that everybody's covered, that I feel I've done enough for everybody. Is that a common feeling?
0: I think it is a common feeling. And one of the ways to deal with that is to maybe rethink the whole gift-giving idea, we know there's an ample amount of research to suggest that when we use our discretionary income to, for ideas and experiences, travel, hobbies, personal development, some kind of event that we do with the recipient, we are much, much more satisfied than if we buy them another thing. And so are they for many reasons one being that event that experiences are something we do in a social context so it's got the the added benefit of the idea of love and affection being a part of it and maybe belonging whereas if you give somebody a handbag that they wear it they don't wear it but you really have nothing to do with it if if what you give them is theater tickets with you or a long New Year's Day walk, it's a very different experience. These gifts are often much less expensive, but even if they're not, there's the anticipation, the time anticipating the event, the time having the event, and the memories. It lasts much longer. The whole cycle is much longer and there's much more fulfillment.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because I feel like a real trend among my millennial friends is buying experiences and booking travel. And I feel like a lot of these people feel like, oh, I'm buying an experience. I'm not buying a thing. I don't have a problem. But they're overindulging and they're living beyond their means by doing that. Do you think those kinds of people still have an over shopping problem?
0: Sure. If you're living beyond your means and if there are the kinds of negative consequences we talked about earlier in the program, definitely you can overspend on experiences and ideas to be sure.
2: You had a great piece of advice there a minute ago when you talked about gifting someone with a holiday or a New Year's Day walk with them as as a present. What other advice do you have, suggestions do you have for people who can't afford to overshop this holiday season?
0: time in the kitchen together, spending time making something, spending time volunteering together. There are lots of activities that we can do that cost little or nothing that feed our souls and are feeding other people's souls.
1: How is compulsive buying different than hoarding? I I saw you quoted saying that between a third and a half of compulsive shoppers actually have a hoarding issue as well
0: or they they are on the way to becoming hoarders, because hoarding is something that tends to develop across the life cycle. We don't start as hoarders. But over time, if we continue with that kind of behavior, which is compulsive acquisition, without any kind of letting go that starts to develop into a hoarding problem. And what we see is that the people who become hoarders tend to be more on the obsessive compulsive end, a lot of compulsion to do rather than it being the meeting of an impulse, which is more what compulsive buyers are more impulsive usually than compulsive.
2: What problems are you seeing in January from people who've been over shopping in December?
0: People who are very depressed about the the hot water they've gotten themselves into. People who hoped that the holiday was going to cheer them up and instead it's made them feel worse. You know, how am I go- how am I going to pay for this lavish Christmas that I had no business providing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, credit cards make purchasing, especially online, so much easier, and that's why I thought what you just said is is so relevant. Is people realize they've spent too much over the holidays? What do you recommend in terms of people getting credit cards, and should serious compulsive shoppers just forego one altogether?
0: We have a problem. There are beginning to be places that you cannot use cash. You have to use a debit card or a credit card. So I always recommend a debit card way before a credit card if someone has a propensity toward overspending. A a debit card without much overdraft privilege so that you can't, you can only do a limited amount of damage.
2: What advice do you have for someone who gets to the checkout counter in, in a department store, arms loaded with clothing and other items for gifts, and l- looks at those things and says, I just really can't afford this. What What do you do when you're in that last minute pressure situation where it's time to buy and you really can't afford it? What advice do you, you have? Get,
0: you get out of line. You get out of the line and you go into a space where you actually have the time to address each and every proposed purchase and not let yourself be carried away by the moment by the
1: line by the person who says come on come on come on we can't wait all day but you know what i think that's really hard to do if you're out shopping with friends and your friends are pressuring you to buy something and you're in line it feels weird to say that you know oh maybe i shouldn't get this maybe maybe i can't afford it you don't want to admit that
0: Well, one of the things is you need to prepare your friend before you go into the store. If this is a good friend, you want to ask them to help you to not overspend. You ideally want to go into that store with a plan that includes who you're buying for, what you can comfortably afford, what you think you're going to buy them, how much time you're willing to spend, and the more accountable you can be to your own plan, and especially if your friends are willing to function as shopping support buddies for you. That's what you need. You can't, this is not something to
2: hide. Now, what do you typically do when someone comes to you with an over-shopping problem? Can you kind of take us through that process? Sure. It begins with
0: an exploration of why do you overshop? What's the function it's serving in your life? Why do you overshop and how did it all begin? What went on in your childhood, teenage years, and early adulthood around shopping, spending, and stuff that is a way to think about how you ended up with this problem? And then we look at how those messages that you received in your early life relate to over shopping today and now how you can look at it differently. So that's the beginning. Then we look at what triggers you and what the consequences are. We looked at, we look at getting hooked and getting unhooked and what to do when the urge strikes. We go on from there to creating a shopping self-portrait, I take people through a visualization where they bought something that they later regretted, and we really look at the purchase in detail, and then we look at the regret. We go on from there to look at the the high cro- cost of credit card debt, the centrality of savings, and people then start to write down everything they spend every day, and they, ex- they assign each expenditure a score based on how necessary they believe it to be. And that's very important because when you do that, you get two figures each day, the actual cost of what you spend and the necessity cost, what you really needed to spend if you were only buying things that were more necessary rather than less. We look at self-care, self, self-comfort. self We look at These underlying authentic needs that I mentioned and how each of them is being co opted into the shopping process. We look at people's strengths and how they can employ those strengths toward stopping over shopping. And we look at how to harness the language of the heart, the mind, the body, and the soul in stopping over shopping. And finally, we look at lapse and relapse prevention, how to plan for an upcoming high-risk situation. And finally, we end with the idea of how much is enough, when less is more, and the acquisition of true wealth, which has nothing to do with one's financial resources. It's much more about the acquisition of life experiences that vitalize and energize us communication with nature with people with animals you know it's not it's not about what we have and what we can buy
1: you know it's really interesting because i feel like i grew up in a great time because it was right before i guess the internet really took off and people were being inundated with these crazy sale emails and i'm wondering with kids today how do you condition them to live in a world with so many temptations. This
0: is the $64,000 question. <laughs> you know, I think that it begin it has to begin early with parental control over how much screen time and what kinds of screen visuals their children are seeing. They need Parents need to teach their kids something about media literacy from the beginning. You know, is it really likely, you might ask your 12-year-old, that just by buying this particular car, She's when she's older, like the model in the commercial, she's going to be showered with Casablanca lilies by hordes of handsome men, you know, some, <laughs> some media literacy so that people, the kids grow up with a certain kind of savvy about the bill of goods that we're all being sold, that happiness is only as far away as our next purchase.
2: April, when you were on with us the last time and we asked you what your nobody told me lesson was, you had a great one. I believe you said you can never get enough of what you don't need.
0: What you don't really need. What you don't really need. Really need has to do with those authentic underlying needs. What we really need is love and affection, to belong. Those are the things we really need.
2: So what's your nobody told me lesson about holiday shopping or over shopping?
0: Nobody told me that holidays could be so much more joyous if I decided not to do anything with material gifts. In in our family, I'm Jewish, my husband is Methodist, and one of our sons was born on December 18th. So between Hanukkah, Christmas, and his birthday, it got to be just totally outrageous. Yeah. And there was a particular Christmas where we were driving To friends' houses, to a friend's house, with all laden with gifts, and I'm crying in the car about the excess of this and how much I couldn't stand this. And from that holiday season on, we never did gifts again. We always did something as a family together for the holiday. Often, it was taking a trip. Sometimes it was doing community service, but we just did not exchange material gifts anymore. And how has that worked? How do you feel about that? I feel really good about it. I feel really good about it because we have found interesting things to do together that really feel like a gift. You know, I remember one particular Christmas where we were dancing in a Samburu village in uh in Tanzania. And uh, one Christmas where we were working to help build somebody a house in Pennsylvania. You know, I can't remember specific gifts that I got or gave, but these really feel like much more meaningful gifts to give ourselves as a family and each other.
1: And I have one last question for you. What do you think is the most important advice that people might not know about holiday shopping?
0: The more they expose themselves to the Internet, to the newspaper, to commercials, the more likely it is going to be that their resolve will weaken. So they have got to control the amount of that kind of stimulation that comes in.
1: But boy, is that hard. I know mm-hmm. I should be unsubscribing mm-hmm. to all these things, but there's, there's something that I feel is kind of magical about getting all of these sale emails and realizing it's that time of the year. And,
0: and so that's interesting um, because for me, it's anything but magical.
2: You know, I just want to get rid of it. You know, I'm the same way. When I check my email first thing in the morning, this time of year, it's I'm bombarded with all of these. You know, it was it started out with Black Friday, then Cyber Monday, then Cyber Week, and just and now and pretty soon it's going to be last happily, minute. We do have Giving Tuesday, and yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true, that's true. But yeah. the thing is, the first thing I do in the morning when I'm going through my emails is I go through all of those ads and I delete them immediately I'm not interested and I I delete them but may, and maybe that's a generational thing too that maybe April and I are more uh in the same age range and and Laura as a millennial mm-hmm. you haven't been through as many Christmases
1: but why don't you mm-hmm. just unsubscribe then if you don't like Good them question. Well you know and, and the
2: answer is because I have Purchase things from those companies before for members of the family, and then I do think like, well, it is getting closer to Christmas, so if I need something from from that company, I want to know if they're having a sale or if they have a a code, a coupon code, or something like that. So that's it. But but I do delete them every morning. Yeah, and I, I also think planning.
0: Ahead, A shopping plan can really help on the holidays to keep you from getting, you know, that deer in the headlights feeling and feeling then that you just have to purchase. April,
2: how can people
1: get in touch with you online? How can they reach you? Shopaholicnomore.com. Well, April, it has been wonderful having you on the show. Our thanks to Dr. April Lane Benson, whose website is shopaholicnomore.com. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. And you've been listening to Nobody Told Me. Thanks for joining us.